organic uh, ha has become a, a brand um, a symbol uh, and everybody wants to have that uh, stamp on their product. Um, uh, like many other things, it can become uh, corrupted. You used a more polite word. But, uh, you know, when you start putting things under uh, that certification uh, that aren't truly um, as it would be in nature or regenerative, you're in trouble. Food is medicine, but is healthy medicinal food that's actually good for you, that actually nourishes you, accessible for everyone? That's the main question we're going to tackle today with Joanne Passanelli, who is CEO and President of New Day Enterprises. This is a public benefit corporation committed to enhancing human health and distributing products at a price point that is affordable and accessible to all income levels. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This is a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. We talked to Joanne today about New Day Enterprise's mission to be part of a new era of regenerative farming focused on peak nutrition and exceptional flavor with the belief that wealth should not buy health. And I can tell you from actually personally looking at and tasting these microgreens that they are delicious and they're packed with flavor unlike anything else I've tasted. So please join us for an enlightening conversation about the state of our current food system, how soil impacts our health, and what you can do to support your health using nutritious food. Well, welcome, Joanne. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. And let's talk first about what was the inspiration for the creation of New Day Farms. Well, it's important uh, to know that. Um, actually, we are New Day Enterprises, and we're a public benefit corporation. And uh, the inspiration for New Day Farms uh, came previously. We're an extension of an earlier effort. Um by a previous founder to improve nutritional health uh, through the supply of high nutrient crops. And uh, in our company, New Day Enterprises, um, is basically a, a developing uh, company of uh, brands, if you would, uh, beginning with New Day Farms Superfood. Uh, uh, we are a portfolio of businesses with one common mission, again, to improve health uh, through nutrition uh, regardless of income or circumstances, and do so uh, doing so in a wholly uh, regenerative way. You know, we, we're going to talk about that, I think, a, a bit more later, but there is a difference between sustainable and regenerative. Um, so our, our, our business model, if you would, is to produce high nutrient um, crops, uh, initially microgreens, uh, and do so always locally so that they're always fresh, always organic, uh, and again, available uh, at all income levels. Uh, but in every case, um, our goal is to make a significant impact on uh, the sustainable regeneration of human and for that matter, pet health. That's our at our core. Uh, it's my personal passion and it's the company passion. Now, personally, Joanne, how did how did you get involved in the New Day Enterprises, and kind of what's your story behind that, if you don't mind? Uh, well, uh, to be honest, I was part of another uh, similar effort previously, several, um, and uh, 
I would say quite some time ago, um, I had come across uh, New Day Farms when it was pretty young. And, uh, and then years later, uh, back in early 2018, uh, I was in Western PA on a project. And I came across, um, went with some friends to uh, a Whole Foods opening. And uh, there was a, a demo station there, which we can't do anymore, obviously, which is a wonderful thing. And uh, there was someone there sampling New Day Farms microgreens. I recognized the name. And uh, um, of course, it was wonderful. Uh, I got in touch with the company at the time and uh, transitioned into working with this effort. I had been involved with uh, air pollution controls for um, stationary sources like power plants and cement plants and the like. And prior to that was part of a startup that was, uh, in every case, this was earlier than it was trendy, trying to replace uh, uh, particularly harmful products uh, in the public domain with those that were not harmful, naturally derived and, and, and or less harmful. So the, doing it through health is probably our best uh, um, opportunity uh, to um, deal with some of the issues that we face, uh, that our immune systems have to face and that struggle to face. Um, so I think it's, as you opened with, really all about food. Yes, and we know that food is medicine. It's really the backbone of health. How, do, how does New Day Farms, you know, the farm part of the enterprise, what makes, that, what makes it different from other farms? And are you offering other things besides microgreens now, or are you kind of planning on branching out later? Um, we're, we're offering right now um, primarily microgreens, and I should explain um, what they are. Uh, that's uh, part and parcel to what makes our farm different. Um, first of all, we are exclusively soil grown. And there's a lot of talk about soil lately. Do you need it? Do you not need it? There's uh, massive hydroponics farms. Uh, you know, we're going to put nutrients in the water. It's going to be just as good. Um, with microgreens, there's two distinctions. It's the highest nutrient stage. Uh, of any edible plant or herb. For that matter, even a botanical you might put on your skin, it's the highest nutrient stage of a plant. You have the seed, then you have the sprout. And I noticed you, have talk, you had talked about sprouts. And one of the difficult things we often face is making the distinction between sprouts and microgreens. <clears throat> Very important distinction. Um, sprouts may have the beginning little buds of those first two leaves, cotyledons, but they don't have the leaves. Uh, sprouts tend to be more prone to different kinds of bacterial contamination, that sort of a thing. Microgreens have two full first leaves. The third leaf is a true leaf, very different kind of a leaf, but the first two leaves have the highest concentration of nutrients that the plant will ever have and what the plant needs to grow from. So if you eat them at that stage, you're eating a highly dense nutrient loading uh, and every plant is different. Broccoli is different from uh, beet is different from amaranth. And so each of those plants, and for that matter, herbs, cilantro or basil, they all have a unique profile of nutrients. So um, that's the first thing. The second thing is each of those unique profiles are highest at the microgreen stage. So uh, again, what makes us different? 
soil in high volume, always local, always fresh, and or truly organically done. Uh, we don't add nutrients to the soil, have them be sucked up by the plant and say, here, you know, you've got your zinc and you've got your magnesium. Uh, we focus on the fact that there are bioactive compounds that our immune systems need that are based on carbon. Vitamins need carbon. They're all compounds, bioactive compounds that contain molecules that are based on carbon, carbon chains of various sorts. So if you don't have the carbon, I like to call it life from life. Uh, that, that's what makes us different. Now, the way in which we go about doing that in high volume, uh, that is another distinction of our farms. It's an ever developing, um, constantly being uh, um, improved and optimized objective. Uh, it's not as easy as it sounds, um, but I always tell people that uh, the color, uh, the taste or flavor and the nutrient level work together, they do. But if you really want to optimize those nutrients, uh, you, you have to get as close to optimum growing conditions and harvesting conditions as possible. And that's our work. That's our particular work. Thank you. Are the microgreens grown in a, a always outdoors or indoors? Or how does that, how does that work? We grow indoor. Uh, we do our soil work outside very organically. Uh, we recycle and compost all of our surplus greens and uh, soil once it's through. Um, we do vertical grow as well <clears throat> under lights, um, but we're still using soil. Believe me, that's, that's a challenge. Um, uh, there are people working on that. We've been doing it for a very long time. And um, another thing I might say about that, and this is the challenge in doing it indoors, especially in a vertical grow environment, um, we hear about these things all the time now, so it's no news to anybody, but a single teaspoon of soil could contain up to a billion different microbes of different sorts. And, you know, bacteria, viruses, everything, but many of those beneficial organisms. Uh, again, I, I like to use the phrase life from life. So when you pull that indoor, you need to have, maintain a balance amongst those. We're all learning that even in our bodies, which are more microbial cells than human cells. It's the balance amongst that, that uh, makes it uh, healthy. And uh, in an indoor environment, you have to keep that balance if you want to pretend, uh, prevent contamination when by the time it gets on the shelf. Got it. So let's take a dive first into some general questions. And then I do want to get into the differences between different types of agri agriculture. But what is the current state of our uh, conventional food system. I think that uh, people may know some of the scope of the problem, but probably not the full scope of what's happening now with, with agriculture. Uh, so if you could just outline that for our listeners, that would be really helpful. Well, there, there's also a lot of talk about this. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I don't bring any uh, new news. And the good news is that we're all realizing it, including uh, the companies that have been doing this for literally decades certainly since the 40s and 50s. But, you know, we have been, uh, particularly in this nation, um, food systems of massive proportion, you know, um, very highly centralized uh, with no crop rotation um, to grow uh, the same crop in the same place uh, in large quantities uh, upsets the balance I was talking about. And there is the same balance in nature. So we, you know, end up, we ended up in an unfortunate cycle 
of doing what we could with chemical fertilizers to improve the circumstance and pesticides and all kinds of other sides. If it has a CIDE at the end of it, it's poison, poison to everybody. Um, and we made the soil barren. So then we had to use chemical fertilizers and all kinds of other things. And it was really a no-win situation. And at the end result of that, much less if any nutrition in the food we were eating. Then we put it on the back of trucks and send it here and there. We had to pretend it protected from spoiling on the truck. And I think that uh, in many cases, we were consuming more of these synthetic chemicals than we were the nutrients in the food. Uh, the answer to that now is we really need to change our food systems. They have to, we're no longer at the stage where we can make them sustainable, which means we're still keeping up with the same thing. They have to be regenerative. And regenerative is a very, very big word. You know, it takes into account how we treat the biology, how uh, we treat the nutritional aspects, how we treat uh, the communities in which we work, how we locate them. The first I would have to say would be to, to, to make it more local, uh, travel less distance, to uh, put into place or true organic practices, soil, beginning with the soil and how you work with the soil. Um, and whether you do it under roof or you do it uh, outside in the environment, um, that say, those same organic practices have to be adhered to. Essentially, you have to feed the microbes in the soil to create a healthy plant. And we're very, we've been very far away from that, but I'm very encouraged. You're seeing a lot more local. You're watching a public become much more informed about this. The trick now is to find a way to get it on the uh, on the shelves through the grocery retail channels at a price point that everyone can afford. Yeah, and I think that uh, sounds like New Day Enterprise has been a pioneer in really providing high quality, like you said, but also high higher volume, you know, um, you know, crops, uh, microgreens, you know, to start out with, like you said, to really provide access because I think that's one of been one of the 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 big. Um, you know, uh, concerns and I think challenges with regenerative agriculture, at least, you know, since it's kind of starting out more here and we're all kind of realizing that conventional agriculture is not, not sustainable. It's not, not the way to go. Um, it's destroying the soil and therefore the planet, you know, in a way. Um, but, but it sounds like that's going to be the next challenge is how to get regenerative agriculture out to the masses, correct? Yeah, it is. You know, I think um, the truth is it's, it's, it's one of the motivators for these large indoor vertical farms. You know, everybody knows scale means economies and uh, it brings your price point down. But at the end of the day, at what sacrifice? You know, it's not about getting something pretty in a plastic shell uh, at a price point somebody can afford. It's about making sure what's in that package, which also needs to be improved, um, is a substrate for nutrients, I like to say, too. You know, when somebody opens that and eats it, are they getting what they should get to improve their health, to sustain their health, to fight off everything else about the environment that is uh, assaulting their health? 
first of all, I love your microgreens, just full disclosure, that big fan of New Day products. So that's uh, why we ended up connecting here. So thank you so much for that. But um, let, let's really talk about it, get a deep dive into that, just because I, I don't know if we totally understand that. Um, regenerative versus sustainable. Could you just go more into that and, and sort of what's the difference between regenerative and sustainable? And then if you could also talk about organic, because we know the organic movement has been around for a while, but I think in a way it's being co-opted now as well. So if you could just kind of go into those um, distinctions for, for all of our listeners. Yeah, I think um, it, it, it's practically, you know, Webster dictionary kind of stuff, you know, sustainable means you, you, you're able to keep doing the same thing over and over the way you have been doing it. And for a while, I think uh, it was a right mindset, maybe a first step in change, because um, we weren't even doing that, you know, but now we recognize that what we've been doing over and over again, isn't working. So now it's a matter of being regenerative. So if you think about every uh, living biological system, um, it's regenerative. Nature is regenerative. Um, humans are about the least regenerative. <laughs> We've proven that, but um, life from life, you know? And if you break the cycle, you break it. We're part of an ecosystem. Our bodies are part of the ecosystem. As I mentioned, there's more microbial cells in our bodies than human cells. And the same ones are in nature. So at the end of the day, it's about regenerating. It's about bringing a new. It's about with the change of seasons, the tree comes back. The tree dies, the tree comes back. Uh, we have to develop that kind of uh, thinking. And even, as I said, model uh, in agriculture, in the way in which we uh, treat food in our own individual lives, and even in, and especially in our business models, it's all the same. It means that it's constantly renewing. We're not just doing the same thing over and over again. With regard to organic, um, that's become a little problematic. So I'll come out, jump out here and, and give a bit uh, of an opinion. But um, organic uh, ha has become a, a brand um, uh, symbol, uh, and everybody wants to have that, uh, stamp on their product. Um, uh, like many other things, it can become, uh, corrupted. You used a more polite word, but, uh, you know, when you start putting things under, uh, that certification, uh, that aren't truly, um, as it would be in nature or regenerative, you're in trouble. So, um, you know, as far, there's lots of movements out there now, like real organic, trying to um, change that, teach people the distinction. Um, if the word organic now doesn't include carbon or soil, and then we need another distinction because you're never, as I said previously, going to get the nutrient profile out of an edible. If you don't start with carbon and you don't start with life. That makes a lot of sense. And just to get into that a bit, what is the nutritional profile of, of some of the spouts, sprouts? What, what are the specific uh, nutrients that you would get from, from eating, uh, say, a kale or sunflower microgreen? Well, as I said, they're all different, but they uh, tend to, well, they do 
um, have nutrient profiles that are common to their uh, genus, if you would. You know, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli or kale or cabbage or red cabbage, they tend to be not only high in certain um, um, inorganic nutrients like magnesium and calcium and those and iron and those sorts of things, but they have other bioactive compounds uh, such as in broccoli. We all have been talking about sulforaphane, a glucosinolate that is very very important to fighting cancer. You know that comes it, it's 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 very highly concentrated, especially in broccoli. You know, and you've got uh, vitamin A and all uh, and carotenoids and all of, you know, some of those root vegetables, some of those. So it's probably worth and I don't know that there is anything currently out there that makes all that very simple for people. But it's, uh, you know, it's 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 been well known for, for thousands of years, really. Uh, and I think animals know it. Animals will graze around and find what they need, what they're missing, and they'll eat it. and They'll push something else aside. But um, they're all different and we need them all. Yeah, is there anything out there where it's like how much nutrient content in a, a cup of broccoli versus a certain quantity of, of the broccoli sprouts, for instance, or microgreens, you know? There are studies now, I'm trying to think of when the first one was published, but there's more all the time and we're doing our own research in that. Uh, but yeah, microgreens uh, are definitely, they could be up to a hundred times the uh, concentration of certain nutrients than the mature leaves. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's just maybe four times, but in every case it's higher for the reasoning that I gave earlier. That's great. I do feel a difference when I eat the the microgreens versus say like a, you know, the big piece of broccoli versus like a sprouts, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, is there a difference between raw versus cooked? You know, how would you say on that? Uh, yeah, uh, there is. Um, in fact, one of uh, the individuals on my scientific advisory board is very focused on that. But, um, you know, so let me put it this way. Um, I think we most of us know that there are certain uh, root vegetables uh, that we say are more nutritious if you cook them. What it really means is you unlock um, the mechanical or the fibrous content of them to make the bioactive compounds more what we call bioavailable to a human body. <clears throat> but there's other ways to achieve that, you know, and um, the simplest way is by chewing. We know by chopping something up, maybe it's an increase in surface area, not completely sure, but we make it more bioavailable. Um, certainly for the most part, it's better raw. So it's better as a micrograin, it's better raw. Um, I have experiences all the time because I'll take our microgreens to gatherings of people uh, and then people who eat them regularly. We even have people write into the website if they can't find them somewhere because they've run out. And it's almost like I won't say an addiction, but they notice a difference in their health and uh, they're concerned if they can't get more, you know, and so it makes a difference. Um, I don't know um, if, if you'd have a similar experience. I don't know of anybody that's had a similar experience with other kinds of uh, stages of a plant. Um, but I would say eating microgreens and eating them raw is one of the best and eating a multitude of them, a diversity of them is one of the best things you can do to make sure your body gets nutrients more so than even with um, uh, supplements and vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of phytonutrients that are, that are in those plants, you know, thousands of phytonutrients that when you try to take a synthetic vitamin, it's really isolating certain 
compounds, but it doesn't really get the full benefit of eating, eating real food, you know, so. That's, that's the other important thing that uh, I should mention, and you just really said it. Um, when you pull, when you extract out a singular nutrient, it doesn't work the same as when it exists in a, a whole, what we call a whole food form. Right. It probably helps, but that's why we call them supplements. They're supplemental to a whole foods diet. That's right. But they're always better in the context of everything else because they work together. Correct. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do we incorporate sprouts into a healthy diet? What are some of your practical suggestions for, for people? Well, first, I have to jump in and say they're not sprouts. Microgreens. Yes, yes. <laughs> I deal with that every that. Yeah. Yes. So, um, we have, in fact, on our website, uh, in, in the recipe section, uh, and I think probably some other places, more, more ways than you think. I like to take them in the morning and just put a bunch of them and make a smoothie out of them with some lemon juice and some coconut water and whatever else, banana. Um, so again, it's raw, it's macerated in the, in the, in the blender. And now you've got the best of all possible worlds. Um, but people, uh, I think they, they, well, they did, they were, uh, the trend of microgreens was led by chefs, like a lot of other things. Um, again, only for certain segments of the population, but you know, it was a garnish, you know, never, nobody thought much about it. they're pretty. Uh, but, um, the best you can do is, is to start to eat them in larger quantities. We sell them in larger quantities for that reason. You can make a, 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 a wonderful salad out of them and you can add what you want to the salad. You can make a smoothie out of them. Uh, you can add them to anything else. I like to make uh, tacos like fish tacos. And instead of any other kind of greens or lettuce, I use those. Um, you can put them in a sandwich, any place you'd use lettuce or lettuces or any other kind of greens you can use the microgreens. Yeah, I, I like replacing those uh, microgreens, um, you know, instead of um, having like the iceberg lettuce, which is not going to really have that much nutrients there. It's a great idea with the fish tacos. Um, and yeah, I, I think the other thing about microgreens, at least to me, it seems like the word micro, and you had just alluded to that, to, to eat them in large quantities. To me, the word micro seems like, oh, you just eat a little bit of it, you know? And oh. that's, how, how many, how much would you recommend you would, that would people would eat per week? What would you say? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know that I would have a recommendation, except um, uh, the best uh, example is is what you said and what I said. If you're If you're eating... Sorry, lettuce uh, industry, but lettuce doesn't have a lot of nutrients to it. Lots of water and, and a couple of uh, minerals. But um, you know, any any as often as you can, Andrew. Really, you know, put them on your burger, uh, top your soup off, eat them in the morning in a smoothie. Uh, put them on top of anything. Eat them in a fish taco. Um, you know, however you want to use them. Uh, eat them, eat them raw, eat them fresh, eat them as often as you can. Um, they really do impact your health. And really, it, it's a test to people. And um, and because I've seen it over and over again, even with friends here in my community, if people start, you know, hey, can you bring me some more? You know, if, 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 if they put it on everything all day long and then they don't have them, they notice a difference in their health. So that's the answer. The inverse is the answer in a way. There's a lot of talk in the functional medicine community about inflammation being the driver of chronic illness or chronic disease. Uh, how would microgreens help with both reducing inflammation um, and also just improving our health overall? Well, there are 
and you may know better than you can say better than I can, uh, uh, bioactive compounds that are truly anti-inflammatory. So um, you're going to get them at their highest concentration and you're going to get them in a whole food context and you're going to get them so that they're more bioavailable if you're picking them up from nature and if you're getting them from microgreens, they're going to be at the highest concentration that you can get them. Um, they're not only uh, supportive of health, they're uh, regenerative of health. That's what they are. Um, so um, I, I, I guess that, I don't know, maybe it's not quite uh, the right form, but, and again, you probably as a health professional know better than I, but um, for any of those anti-inflammatory um, compounds, uh, you're going to get them uh, more efficiently from microgreens. Great. Thank you. And there is, I just want to mention, there's a study, I remember reading this a long time ago, back in the 1970s in, in Germany, I believe. And what they found was that if people eat raw foods before the cooked foods, that kind of quiets down the immune system and lets the immune system know that there's safety in what what you're eating, essentially. And then that inflammation, those white blood cells don't ramp up the way you would to just eat pure cooked food. So often, you know, people eat raw before cooked. It kind of lets that immune system have a signal of safety. That's kind of an interesting thought about eating, you know, microgreens, let's say, before you're eating your burger or your piece of fish or whatever you're eating cooked, you know. It's interesting. Um, I, I am not familiar with that study, but I'll certainly go running from this podcast to look for it. It, it's, it seems a little... Uh, counterintuitive to me because I grew up in a very Italian family and in Italy you eat uh, the salad afterwards oh and okay I, I didn't know that so you know it aids digestion and whatever reason you know we know a lot of things uh, innately from many years early humans as I said the indigenous cultures know this uh without words um but uh it's kind of the uh it's the opposite of what I would have expected having the particular uh cultural background that I have Love Italian food. Um, let's go into topsoil for a second. So, you know, there's actually some experts and studies, I think, that show that you probably know this better than I do, but um, that the topsoil in our um, on the earth, you know, is getting destroyed or, you know, reduced so that by 2050, there's going to be a lot less topsoil. How do we how do we reverse that? Is regenerative agriculture part of the answer? Can you actually rebuild the topsoil with regenerative agriculture. And then another another question is, can we do anything at home to make our soil healthier for the listeners? Well, um, the topsoil can be regenerated. You know, if you look at the earth as an organism, just like our bodies, as I said before, I, I love the phrase life from life. I use it all the time. If you feed what's in the soil, um, you can grow soil. There are companies now like MyLand, totally focused on this. And they're getting very quick results uh, out uh, in field agriculture, because that's what you're talking about in this case. We are not, um, our, our agriculture is not field-based, although our soil work is field-based. But you have to put back into the environment what you use that word regenerative implies that. So again, we take our surplus greens, we take our used soil and all of the roots and cut stems of our greens. We compost them. 
we mix them back into the environment. Uh, people who are focused on regenerative agriculture are doing that on very large scale in field farming. Uh, they're using uh, cover crops instead of plowing. You know, they're not putting uh, chemicals into the soil uh, that leach all of the important nutrients and compounds out of the soil. They're feeding the soil. The soil knows how to feed itself. What grows on it goes back into the soil. It's probably the, one of the most important things that we have to do on this earth if, if the earth will survive and continue to support the life on the earth. What, what can we do in our own homes to increase access to healthy foods? Uh, I know that's kind of a broad question, but um, you know, for the, the listener out there kind of looking at, okay, we're going to get some microgreens here. H- how do we increase access to uh, healthy foods for everyone? Well, first of all, educate ourselves, learn and um, learn because um, we've been um, uh, we've been going in the wrong direction. I'm not going to say anything more than that. So we have to learn some things, all of us, everyone. And it's, I think, the responsibility of the people in food and agriculture to teach and to learn too. Uh, the second thing is wherever you can grow it, grow it, you know, and grow it from healthy living soil. Feed the soil, feed your plant, feed yourself. Um, the other thing is, and because m- m- most people don't have an option for growing it. I mean, you can, you know, I have relatives that grow incredible things on, uh, on uh, balconies, you know, in the middle of Rome, but, um, shop smart and you can if you're educated i'm a label reader you know i read i don't like if i'm buying something i like to know what's in it i like to know that the only thing i'm buying is what i'm buying not a dozen other things on the label uh the next thing is to cook smart eat raw when you can you know there's ways of cooking and they're fine the you know they feed our they're fun you know everybody knows a fried food is not a healthy food I'm not saying never do it. I do it myself. It's fun. Don't make it your diet, though. You know, eat smart, eat a lot of vegetables. The Mediterranean diet is by far and above throughout thousands of years, once again, uh, the most healthful diet. Follow that pyramid. Uh, but again, it's vegetables and fruits are at the bottom and eating them raw is the best. And then just as we in the uh, food and agricultural industry have to do, you know, teach each other. You know, when you have somebody over, serve something helpful, talk about it and uh, and spread the word. You know, so I, I, there's everything starts um, with each of us individually. You know, grassroots. I love that word, because when you think about agriculture and regenerative agriculture, grassroots, you know, we say we're regenerating the roots of health. We grow them in soil. And um, and I think that that's what we each can do. And, you know, all of those individual contributions add up to a collective result. Thank, thank you. Uh, just a follow-up question to that um, in terms of kind of grassroots, bring, increasing access to microgreens and other healthy foods. What do you think about the challenge of, of food deserts and, you know, people that might not have access to a Whole Foods or a Mom's Organic Market or something like that? Are you planning on trying to get these microgreens out to populations that sort of historically have never had a, a lot of access to that? 
Definitely. Um, you know, there are uh, vertical farms uh, in many uh, and proliferating in many of those uh, food deserts now. Um, you know, I think that even if it's grown hydroponically, it's better than not having it. Uh, but we're working very, very hard on two different models and channels for getting to those food deserts. You know, that's the highest concentration of our populations are in urban areas and food deserts. And, uh, and you can well imagine that in that kind of an environment in the, that, you know, where people are in close proximity to each other, you just look at what happened with COVID in the dense cities. Uh, those uh, populations need nutrition more, more than anyone does. So uh, we are working on that. Uh, we do have distribution in cities, so that's helpful. And we do plan to roll that out region by region, but we're looking at other channels through which we can put these nutrients in the everyday foods they eat. Uh, so they're getting, uh, people living in food deserts are getting nutri better nutrition in every aspect and every form of what they're eating. That's an amazing, what an incredible mission that you and your company have. And uh, I just wanted to, to say thank you for all the work you and you know New Day is doing. Um, we're going to have a few fun closing questions, but I just want to thank you for the work that, that you're doing. Oh, thank you very much for, for, for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so let's go to some fun closing questions that we ask all of our guests. So uh, first of all, Joanne, do you have a morning routine? And if so, would you mind sharing that with us? I do. And uh, it's a challenge for me because uh, it, it was easier, um, you know, when everybody was uh, secluded in their homes, you know, I have most of my career not had the luxury because I travel quite a bit. So it's much harder to put a routine together on the road. But uh, but I do. I um, uh, I wake up and uh, I try to be diligent about this. But the first thing I do is I pray. I like to pray before I ever get out of my bed, because if I don't, uh, I'll make an excuse not to. And I think it's important to, to wake up and be thankful for your blessings and to convene yourself, uh, you know, day to day. And um, we have spiritual health, just like everything that we have to uh, be mindful of. Um, I usually uh, then uh, go reaching for a cup of coffee. Um, I drink coffee. I like to drink coffee. It gets my day started. You know, as my grandmother used to say, there's nothing like that first sip. Um, uh, but I only allow myself two cups. I never drink it past usually 10 o'clock in the morning um, because, uh, you know, my mind is gone enough when I go to sleep. I don't need caffeine. Um, I guess that if I'm home, there may be some other tasks. So I get up fairly early and then I set about my work. Um, I have tried as I've gotten older to not work so constantly or to mix it up with other things. I was in an interview once uh, with someone who was very bold and asked me what I would do differently in life, you know, and I had just come off uh, a conversation with my daughter and, you know, um, and I think she's already struggling with, with, with how to do this, but we have two sides of our brain. We have two different parts of ourselves. One is we're all artistic. We're all creative. You know, we all have that. And if we nurture it by the time we're nine, um, we'll have it all of our lives and music is connected to math. So to balance out all of that work, uh, I like to put some creative work. So at home, I always make sure that I have my artwork and easel, my sculpture materials, hand, my, my musicians 
uh, tools nearby, instruments, guitars, whatever. And I now have tried to get into the practice of certain couple of times a day, get up from the desk, get off the phone and incorporate some of that. And at first I thought it was, you know, mm, I got to save that till later. And I mean, later in life, who knows if we'll get there. But I found that if you, if you balance both of those in the course of your day, one actually feeds into the other. So those are practices that, that, that I do. And um, they're harder, obviously, to do when you're traveling. I love that, connecting the left and right brain. You know, there's no, no time like the present, right? That's the only time we really have. So it's, it's so inspiring to hear you're, you're an executive, you're a CEO, you're running this company, amazing company with a, a great mission. And then you're also an artist and musician. I think that's, that's really uh, very inspiring for a lot of, a lot of listeners here. Well, I want the listeners to know that we all are. You just have to find that. Yeah, kind of cultivate it. So even after age nine, do you feel like it's too late or not too late to kind of cultivate that a bit? After the artistic I'm, side. The, you said the, after the artistic side, you can oh, cultivate yeah, it afterwards. Definitely. Um, you know, I like Julia Cameron has written a bunch of books on that, you know, beginning with the artist way. You know, it's actually methodology. When you read the book, you should, you know, live Check it. Check that out. Yeah. Over and over again, but you get up and there's a different um, uh, study or uh, you know focus for that day, you know, and and the whole process. Uh, and she's worked with you know physicians and lawyers and everybody else who are now here they are later in life and they're discovering these uh, creative talents. We all have them. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. Um, since you're Italian, and we weren't going to ask this, but I would share with you that. Growing up as a young child, my babysitter is from Sicily, so she would bake a bunch of calzones and you know homemade pizza and everything. What's your favorite Italian food, if you have one, or is, you know, food or foods? Oh, geez, it's that's a hard one. <laughs> I first of all, when I grew up, uh, especially on the one side of my family, <clears throat> I don't think uh, we had. Uh, I, 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 well, I don't think I don't. I remember the first time I bought a, got a boxed pizza. We made it. You know, we made the pasta. We made everything. Uh, but I, I am a. I love the pasta and I love the pizza. But you got to watch the carbs. So, what do I love? That how can you how can you uh, change that a little bit? You know, put microgreens on. Put microgreens pizza. to get it get it healthier. Yeah. Obies, but you know things like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm a pasta eater. It's, it's very delicious. Uh, what do you do every day to cultivate joy? I think you already answered that with the art and the music and things. So what kind of brings you joy? What's your anchor there? I would say um, there's so many reasons to forget to be joyful. And you might be going through something. It could be a health crisis or a heartbreak or you know stress from your work, whatever it is. But you can always stop and remind yourself of your blessings. And I would have to say, I've had, it, it took a long time for me to learn that, but I think it's the best thing you can do. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the extreme side of that, when people say, well, people have it much worse than I do. Many people do. Everybody faces whatever they face, it could always be worse. So if you focus on your blessings, you know, you'll bring yourself joy. Love that advice. Thank you so much, Joanne, for that. And how can listeners learn more about you and New Day Enterprises and also find find the products, uh, the microgreens as well? Uh, well, we do have a website, um, newdayfarms.com. 
we will be having uh, some additional sites for some new directions. Um, my email is joe, J-O, at newdayfarms.com. Um, I'm always happy to hear from people. Um, and I think uh, those two things, our, our, our products are in most health food stores and um, certainly Whole Foods. Um, we're expanding from the mid-Atlantic out. Um, but uh, I'm hoping also by the end of this year to, to get the nutritional um, um, aspects of our, our products in other foods as well. And that's all I can say about that at this point. But um, we're expanding nationally. Um, we're pretty concentrated in the mid-Atlantic. I don't think people would have any trouble finding us in the mid-Atlantic. If you do, write to me. And, um, you know, we will make sure that uh, we speak to those who have those uh, retail uh, establishments and get our products there, too. Great. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for being with us today, uh, Joanne. And um, we look forward to uh, speaking with you more about regenerative agriculture and kind of keeping in touch here. Definitely check out the products, the uh, microgreens. I, I particularly like the sunflower and kale one. Um, that's my favorite so far, but I haven't tried all of them, so I need to kind of run through all of them. They're probably seasonal as well, but I, I really appreciate your company, your mission, and certainly the food, because it, it does go back to you know getting back to healthy food. So thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.